you got to do is just say Jesus. You know, because that, that name is so, it's just so wonderful and so beautiful even to say Jesus. You know, you can say Douglas and it's, that's not too, too nice. Now my wife says it, that's beautiful. When she says Douglas, well, yes, baby. But, but whenever, but whenever you, you, you say Jesus, there's just power in that name. There's authority in that name. So I want to talk to you today about crippled royalty. Crippled royalty. Story about Mephibosheth. And I, I love this story so much. It's such a good story of redemption, of power, and, and restoration. And I can't wait to share this with you. I believe that after this service is over today, you'll walk away here in a whole lot better mindset than you have been in a long while. First, First Samuel chapter 18, verses 1 through 4 says, After David had finished talking with Saul, he met Jonathan, the king's son. There was an immediate bond between them, for David loved, for Jonathan loved David. From that day on, Saul kept David with him and would not let him return home. And Jonathan made a solemn impact, a pact with David, because he loved him as much as he loved himself. Jo- um, Jonathan sealed the pact by taking off his robe and giving it to David, together with his tunic, sword, bow, and belt. And then 1 Samuel chapter 20, verses 41 and 42 says, As soon as the boy was gone, David came out from where he was hiding near the pile stone. Then David bowed three times at Jonathan with his face to the ground. Both of them were in tears. Both of them were in tears. As they, as they embraced each other and said goodbye, especially David. At last, Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, for we have sworn loyalty to each other in the Lord's name. The Lord is a witness of the bond between us and our children will, um, and our children forever. Then David left and Jonathan returned to town. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. I pray right now that in the name of that sweet, beautiful name, Jesus, that you encompass about us with your presence, that you minister to us and through us and let your power rise up within us. And God, let us know, God, that, that, that of the invitation that we have today and that we don't have to live the way we've lived. Lord, but we can live in victory today, and we thank you for that. We just pray that today you, you anoint the words that you've given me, Father, and let them come from you and not from myself. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. Well, if you, if you, ever, if you know anything about adoption, whenever someone is adopted, it, that, that child becomes theirs. Uh, and it's just as if that it's their own child. And they treat that child like their children. And um, unless you have a disrespectful, unresponsible parent, you know, you, you treat them, you, you adopt that child in a family and they become your child. And you, you, get, you feed them all the same. You give them all presents. You don't say, well, you're my adopted child, so you don't get as much. You know, you treat them all the same. And so, um, you, and you don't want them to go without anything. If you have an adopted child that came and didn't come with nothing, you want to buy them stuff to help them get what they need. And you let them sit at your table with everybody else. You don't make the adopted child sit over somewhere else across the room. They are part of the family. So today I want to talk to you about a story that has something to do with that about adoption. Um, and uh, today's sermon is about a man with a strange name, and it's called Mephibosheth. Um, so I love that name. It kind of just rolls off your tongue, Mephibosheth. It sounds, sounds important, don't it? It sounds very important. Um, but the thing is, is that Mephibosheth, it sounds such an authoritative name, it sounds like, but you know what it means? It means dispeller of shame. So it's not so exciting when you realize what it means. It, 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 Mephibosheth was just five years old um, and when his dad, uh, Jonathan, that we just talked about, and David, David and Jonathan were best friends we just talked about, David and Jonathan died on Mount Geboa uh, fighting against the Philistines. 
And matter of fact, all Saul's family died. His, all three of his kids died on that day. Um, but Mephibosheth's nurse heard about it and said, oh, no, we got to go. Because of the fact that whenever a king died, then that means another king is going to take the place. And that king wants to make sure that they stay king. And there's nobody else in the lineage to take his place or kick him off the throne. And so they're like, okay, so we got it. She said, we got to go because they're going to try to find you. They're going to kill you because you're the only one left in, in Jonathan and, and Saul's lineage. And so we got, you got to go. And so they picked up, they picked up Mephibosheth, Phoebe, and they, they, they ran, they, she ran with him and she ran in haste and she tripped or something happened and she dropped uh, Phoebe on the floor and, and broke both of his ankles. And he was crip, crippled for the rest of his life since five years old. And she picked him up after he fell and broke his ankles and said, come on, Phoebe. She picked him up and they ran to a place called Lodabar. Okay. And so um, I want to read here 2 Samuel 4, 4. It tells you about this first part here. It says, Saul's son, Jonathan, had a son named Mephibosheth. Um, he was crippled as a child at five years old when the report came from Jezreel that Saul and Jonathan had been killed in battle. When the child's nurse heard the news, she picked him up and fled. But she hurried away. when she hurried away, she dropped him and he became crippled. And then she picked him up again and carried him to a place called Lodibar. And that's kind of a cool name too. It kind of sounds a little Spanish or something. Lodibar. Um, but it, it, it uh, actually means no pasture or nothing. I mean, that's the name means nothing. It's a place that was a desert. It was a place of hiding, a place of refuge. It was a place way out where it was just where nobody goes. You know, it was a place just of nothing, nothingness. And see, because in, um, and sit, and when he was sitting there, out there in this nothing place, in this desert, I'm sure as he grew up, he probably got a little bitter and upset and frustrated because of the damage that was done to him and to his family because of the fact that, you know, uh, you know he's thinking, you know what? The, the, my, my caretaker, she dropped me. If she hadn't dropped me, then probably I could go revenge my father's death, you know, and take care of business. But I can't because I'm broken right now. And so he probably got frustrated and bitter and, you know, because someone who supposedly cared for him and loved him hurt him. Have you ever had somebody in your life that, that cared for you and you felt that loved you but maybe hurt you? Even, even if unintentionally, unintentionally, we have those people in our lives um, that, that do those kind of things. And we can't let that get to the place where that bothers, bothers us so much that, that we um, hold that against them. And I'm going to keep on going. I'm jumping ahead of myself a little bit. But in, in the Eastern culture of that day, whenever a king died, they would always, like I said, they would take care of everybody in the lineage of the previous king. So therefore, they, they could stay on their throne. Um, and he would have that power. Um, and and that, this is the reason why the nurse ran with Mephibosheth. But see, you see on this day, he lost, he lost his dad. He lost his grandpa. And he knows there's going to be another king. And he said, now I'm crippled. My, my ankles are broke. And now I'm, I'm useless. I can't do nothing. I mean, that's a lot of loss in one day. Mom, your, your daddy, your granddaddy, and you're, all of a sudden you're crippled for the rest of your life. And you're out in a place called Lodabar. That means nothing. You know? Uh, I mean, you, you're like, you might, I mean, Lodabar means nothing. But, but uh, David and Jonathan had a kindred spirit. So let's talk about them for a minute. I told you about Mephibosheth. So they had kindred spirits. Uh, they were cut from the same cloth. They loved each other. They were, they were BFFs. They were bros, man. They, 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 just, they cared so much about one another. It was a healthy relationship, but, man, they were just tight, tight, man, like that right there. You, know, you ever had anybody like that that just was like your right hand? Because, you know, sometimes in certain situations, sometimes, you know, somebody that's not blood can be thicker and closer than someone who is blood. 
You know, sometimes it seems like the people who's not blood sometimes appreciate you and love you more than people maybe who is blood, you know, sometimes. And, and, and they were just tight like that. And it was so tight that, like I said, he realized the anointing on David's life. And he's like, man, I know that you are, you're going to be king one day. And I know I'm in line, but you, you, you're going to be king, you know. And so he gave him his, his, his robe and his tunic and all this stuff. And, and he just showed compassion on, 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 on David. I mean, what kind of, has anybody ever had a best friend that, that if you're going to get a promotion, that, that they let you get it? I mean, if they were supposed to get the promotion, they let you get the promotion instead of them, you know, and they were happy about it. Oh, I'm supposed to get a promotion, you know, but no, you don't, you know what? You take it. But see, this just wasn't a promotion. This was to be king of Israel. And that's a pretty big deal. And he's like, you know what, Jonathan, you're the anointed one. You know, you're the one that God's got his hand on, not me. So why don't you go ahead and be king? But they loved each other. But it was several years before um, David actually came to be king. But when that, that day came, he said, you know what? I made a promise to Jonathan that I would take care of his family if there's anybody left. And so I want to remember that vow that I made. So let's talk about that and, and find out what it says in 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 14 through 17. This is Jonathan talking to David. And, you, and may you treat me with the faithful love of the Lord as long as I live. But if I die, treat my family with a faithful love, even when the Lord destroys all your enemies from the face of the earth. So Jonathan made a solemn pact with David, saying, May the Lord destroy all your enemies. And Jonathan made David reaffirm his vow of friendship again. For Jonathan loved David as he loved himself. He, that, that, he embodies that scripture of love your neighbor as yourself. Don't you wish that more people were friends like that, that cared like that? You know, we, we need that kind of thing in, in, in life. Now, David, David became king of, of Israel, all right? Um, and he made a vow to, to Jonathan. And so let's talk about the vow that he made to, to Jonathan. Um, 2 Samuel chapter 9, verses 1 through 13. Um, one day David asked, is there anyone in Saul's family still alive? To anyone who I can show him so I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake. He summoned a man named Ziba who had been one of Saul's servants. Are you Ziba? The king asked. Yes, sir, I am, Ziba replied. The king asked him, is there anyone still alive in Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to them. Ziba replied, yes, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive. He's crippled on both feet. Uh, well, where is he, the king said. Lodabar, Ziba told him, at the home of Machir, son of Amiel. So let me stop right here a second. So this re resonated in David's mind because they said, is there anybody left? And, and, and um, uh, Ziba said, yeah, there's one little boy. He, he, he's Jonathan's son. His name's Mephibosheth, he, you know, man of shame. And he's out in Lodabar in, in nothing land. He's just, he's just nothing. It's just, yeah, just him. Okay, if, if you go back to David, remember when David became king and they, or supposed to become king? And, and Samuel said, who, let, me show you, let me see all your sons. One of them is supposed to be king. And they said, oh, this is my son. He's big and strapping and strong and nice looking. All these sons are tall. They're powerful. They're warriors. And Samuel said, wait, he, he's not here. There's somebody else that's supposed to be king. Do you have another son? What did they say? What did Je Jesse say? Well, yeah, I, I, got, I got one of the son. He's David. He's a little shepherd's boy. He's out in the field. He's really a nobody. He just keeps sheep. He's, he's little. He's ruddy. He's not attracted. There's not a lot to him. Yeah, I got him. 
So you see, David immediately felt that in him to, uh, of the same situation where he was mistreated or, or kind of bullied even by his own parents. He's nothing, he's nobody, that kind of thing there. And so he, he, he um, recognized with that. Then he said, he's at the son at the home of Machir, son of Amiel. So let me stop there one second. The, the, the name Machir means settled. So I want you to remember that. I'm going to come back to that in just a moment. So David went for him and brought him from Machir's home. His name was Mephibosheth, and, and he was Jonathan's son, Saul's grandson. When he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect. David said, greetings, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth replied, um, I am your servant. Don't be afraid. Uh, don't be afraid, David said. Mephibosheth said, I am your servant. David said, don't be afraid. I intend to show kindness to you because of the promise I made to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the property that belonged to your grandfather, Saul. And you will eat here with me at my king's table. Mephibosheth bowed respectfully and claimed, Who is your servant that you should show such kindness to a dead dog like me? The king summoned um, Saul's servant, Ziba, and said, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and servants um, are to farm the land for him and produce food for your master's household. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, will eat here at my table. See, Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants that all of a sudden now are going to be serving um, Mephibosheth. Ziba replied, yes, my lord and king, I am your servant and I will do what you've commanded. And from that time on, Mephibosheth was ate regularly at David's table, like one of the king's own son. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah. Micah. From, that, from then on, the, the members of Ziba's uh, household were Mephibosheth's servants. And Mephibosheth, who was crippled in both feet, lived in Jerusalem and ate regularly at the king's table. So you see... He got there, and he got out there to, to, to Mekir's house in, in Lodabar, which means nothing. It means a place of no pasture. There's no green. It's just a desert area. He's out there at Mekir's house. Now, Mekir means settled. So he got out there, and he is he's broken. He, he's, he's crippled, and he has settled that this is where I'm going to be at. I'm crippled. I'm damaged goods, and I'm going to sit here, and I'm, I'm just settling here. This is all I got. This is my life now. Okay? So let me stop and ask you a question. Have you settled? Have you settled? Is there much more for, that God has for you, but you have settled for less because of maybe that you feel like you're damaged goods? You've had something happen in your past, and you've got some kind of situation, maybe not physical, but maybe mental or emotional or spiritual that's bothered you, and you settled. You know what? This is how I'm going to be. I'm not going to get any closer to God. There's nothing better going to happen to me than this. I'm just going to be here for the rest of my life and maintain till I die. Don't settle for less when there's more that God has for you. Because, see, um, um, uh, he was only five years old when, when his daddy died, and he didn't realize it was a covenant between him and his daddy, Jonathan, David and, and Jonathan. Well, and I love, these are my, David's my very favorite in the Bible, and, and Jonathan is, is my second favorite, because I just love that, 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 that brothership they had there. So he settled for less. So don't you settle for less, because I'm here to tell you today, if you read the Word of God, you'll find out there was a covenant between God the Father and God the Son, that if you accept the Son, there was a promise for you to sit at the king's table. 
There's a promise there for you today that you can sit at the king's table. You don't have to stay crippled in Lodabar and nowhere and nothing. You can go to the king's table. But so many people today that are born-again Christians settle for less because they're, they're, they're crippled, they're damaged, and they feel like they don't deserve any more. Can you put yourself in Mephibosheth's shoes for a minute? He knows that he's a descendant of King Saul and that in the normal process is that they find the child or children and kill them. You know, as far back as he can remember, he's been crippled. You know, and he lost, he lost his dad. He lost his granddaddy. He's crippled. He's in his Lodabar place. And it just, the Lodabar just seems so weak. Lodabar. It doesn't seem so defeated. You know, it reminds me of that song, Garth Brooks, I got friends in low places, you know. You know, it just, it, 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 the beer chases my blues away. You know, it's just loaded ball. Why? why? It's just a nasty sounding place. I mean, if it was something like candy bar, that would be good. I would, I'd be more happy about the richness of the place and the Milky Way and, 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 you know, the, and the, the bacon candy, something like that. Bacon bar would be good, something like that. Um, but, but, but loaded bar, L-O-D-E-B-A-R. L-O-D-E-B-A-R. Lameness, obscurity, disappointment, emptiness, barrenness, aloneness, rejection. This is a place where you just go and live and die. This is not a, this is not a good place. How many nights did, 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 did Phoebe sit there and think, you know what? They're coming after me. I know they are. It's been a couple years now. I know they're coming after me. I know, I know I'm going to die. You know, so I might as well go ahead and get married. So he got married and had a son named Micah. He thought, at least while I'm alive, I can enjoy life. I have a wife and a son, and then we'll just settle here. You know, I wonder how many times they sat on the porch looking down that dirt road wondering, you know what? At any time, they can come around that corner and take my life. And, Lord, take care of my son. Take care of my daughter, my, my son and my wife, and help me, Lord. You know, you have, you, so you have Micah, then you have the son of the prince. Uh, you have the prince, Jonathan, and then you have the king, King Saul, that has died, but you have Micah and Phoebe and his wife, Mike, um, his wife sitting there in Lodabar, just chilling, just kind of living a horrible life, eating scraps, begging for crumbs, doing whatever they can at Makir's house. We, they've unsettled, living in despair with no hope. But then there was, became a new king in, Israel, in Jerusalem, and I'm sure that uh, they got scared, even more so, thinking, you know what, now... Here's my time. You know, the king was King David, and he said for one of his first things of business, you know, you, you hear whenever the presidents get on, they're, they're trying to talk to you. They're like, in the first, the first 30 days, I'm going to be doing this right here. The first 100 days, I'm going to be doing this. Well, Jonathan, in his first 100 days, you know, was going to take care of Jonathan's uh, family. That's what King David said. And so he's going to take care of that family. And so he said, I need to find this, this, if it is anybody that's related to Jonathan, so I can take care of them. When David found out there was a son, the name John, of Jonathan still living, he sent soldiers out to go get him in Lodabar. And I could just see Mephibosheth sitting outside, and here comes the cavalry coming down, and, and Mephibosheth's sitting there thinking, you know what? This is it. Here they come. They're coming after me. They're going to take me for my wife and my children, and they're going to kill me. And, and therefore, it's going to be over. That's my life. He, he, he took that in consideration. He realized that's how it's going to be. The soldiers came up to his house. 
He, he probably didn't fight because he knew this was supposed to happen. He knew they could take him over. And he had no use for that. And they took him back to the palace. And I'm sure that Phoebe began to prepare for his death. Okay, Lord, take care of my family. I'm ready for this. I'm ready for what's about to happen. They arrived at the palace and they took Phoebe in and, and, and ushered him right into the presence of the king. And, and Phoebe was probably saying, you know what? This is probably a protocol. I get to see the king, the one who, who, who's taken my dad's place, my granddaddy's place before I die. And he probably thought this is just a formality, probably just what's going on. You know, they're, they're going to probably kill me because what have I done anyway? I'm nothing. I live in a place of nothing. You know, I've been a burden all my life. I can't do nothing for myself. I can't support myself. I can't walk. I probably deserve to die because I've lived a life and it's about, it's about over now. But then the sentence that came forth to him really shook him. And he's like, wait a second, what do you mean? The king is saying that, that because of my father, Jonathan, that he wants to show kindness to him. And he's like, I do, I do know him because I remember as a five-year-old, my dad talking about, Jonathan, about Dave, King David, or David at the time. And they used to hang out. And I used to see him once in a while. He's pretty cool to me. But, but now he's king, and, and, he don't, and he don't, I'm sure he's still going to kill me because I don't want him to think that I'm going to try to take his place because I just want to live today. You know how it is. You know, I don't care about kingship. I don't, just, just let me stay alive. I don't, I'm not trying to take your place. I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm not trying to do nothing. You know, but, but, but okay, so I'm going to be in the king's palace. You're going to take all of, all of my granddaddy's servants, and you're going to make them serve me? And then, and then you're going to make all the servants you're going to make them go plow land and grow vegetables and stuff and give me all the profits for it? And all the land that my granddaddy owned, I get all that too? I, I, don't, I don't deserve this. I'm, I'm broken. I, I don't need to deserve to be treated like this. I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, matter of fact, he said, why are you going to give this to a dead dog? Okay, see, back in the day, dogs weren't cute and fluffy. They, they were mangy. And carry diseases. They would eat their own feces. And, and, if, and if you would get diseases from the dogs. And a dead dog was even worse because of the fact that if you touched a dead dog, you became unclean and you had to go through the purification process. You, were, you couldn't touch nothing the rest of that day. And, and, and they, had, they had to go through a whole process to clean yourself. So he's like, man, I'm, I'm not just a dog. I'm a dead dog. I mean, really? Do you really want to give all this to me? He allowed himself and, and his damage and where he lived at and what happened to him to cause him to feel unvalued, unloved, unwanted, and undeserving of what the king said, I have for you. So I'm here to tell you today that this word says that you can have things of God. You can have the kingdom of God. You can have the, uh, the promises of God in, in heaven. You can have healing. You can have hope. You can have joy. You can have all the things that God promises, all the wonderful things. You can have a life, a life more abundantly. You, you, you're a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. You're the head, not the tail. You're above, not beneath. But you, but you may be today like Phoebe and say, you know what? Thank you for those promises, but I, I don't deserve any of that. I'm, I'm, just, I'm settled with what I have, and I'm okay. And you feel like because of your crippledness, because you were abused, because you were beat, because you were raped, because you were hurt, because you were talked about, because you were bullied, because your mama... Mom and dad told you you were nobody and nothing. And everybody else said, you know, because you don't have a mom or because you don't have a dad, you're never going to amount to nothing. Or you're going to be like your mom or you're going to be like your dad. 
You're going to grow up and you, you, you just kind of settled in your mind. And you know what? Those promises are great, God, but I don't deserve them. I don't deserve them at all. Why would I do that? Because of my own crippledness. I don't deserve to sit at a king's table. Why? I hadn't done nothing to deserve that. You know what's so beautiful? Is we have done nothing to deserve this either. It's so good that, that he thought that he had to work or do something special to become to sit at the king's table. And the king said, no, it's not about you or what you've done. It's because of your daddy that you deserve to be here. And your granddad. And so, so what we have, because of our brother Jesus and the promise of, of God, said, you know what? If you accept Jesus Christ in your life, you shall be born again. You deserve to sit at the table because you've accepted Jesus. It's not about how good you are or what you've done. It's not about your, your addiction. It's not about your brokenness. It's not about your lameness. It's not about your crippledness. It's all about the connection that you have in a relationship with somebody else. And because we have a relationship with Jesus, God promises we can sit at the table. And the table is spread for you today with all kind of fruit on it. Fruit of the spirit of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, goodness, meekness, temperance, and faith. It's got all kind of meat on it, the meat of the word that we can take and eat and meet and grow. We can sit at the table of life with Jesus and on top of everything else, you're going to make me part of your family? You said you're going to treat me as my own, your own son, David? I can eat at the king's table now? I've been adopted into the king's family, and you're going to treat me like your very own? The king didn't have to do this, but he did. The king didn't have to save me out of Lodabar, but he did. You know what? I'm not going to turn back on this offer. He got smart, and he realized, you know what? These are some promises that are rightfully mine. And because rightfully mine and I have right to them why would I be stupid enough to turn them down and I'm here to tell you today these promises are for you I don't care what you've done I don't care where you came from I don't care what kind of brokenness you have what kind of lameness you have what kind of mental physical or, or spiritual problems or addictions or or situations in your life what kind of damaged goods you feel like I'm here to tell you today that you deserve these promises. Why? Not because you've done anything. Because of your relationship with Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. So he said, I'm going to accept the offer, King David, gratefully and thankfully. And see, we're all broken. We've all been broken like, like David. I mean, like Mephibosheth. We don't deserve it. But are you living in Lodabar today? Are you still... In Lodabar, in, in, with a, living a low life, you don't have to anymore. The king sent for you his offering to give you an inheritance that your father Adam forfeited. Adam could have had it all, Adam and Eve, but they forfeited that. And so now Jesus came and said, I got your back. You, lo you, you lost it, and now I'm here to give it back to you. And all you got to do is just accept my gifts. His offering is to adopt you into the family of God. And whenever Jesus, you ask Jesus Christ in your heart, you are adopted into it. And you are heirs. The Bible says you are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. If you know anything about insurance, then when and you put some on, on, on the beneficiary line, if you say, hey, I, I'm, I'm split amongst all the children, you know, I just did that for somebody the other day. I, I sold them some insurance and, and they said, I said, who do you want to split? They said, I want to put it between um, bo both of my kids. I said, we'll just put split between all children. Okay? 
So that's what, Jesus, that's what God does. You're one of Jesus, God's children. And you have equal access that Jesus has. You're a son. Jesus is a son. So you have that access. And you can live in the palace of the king spiritually. There is joy in the palace of the king. There's peace in the palace of the king. There's fellowship in the palace of the king. There's abundance in the palace of the king. Phoebe chose to live in the palace of the king. Well, I, I'm just a Christian and I'm, I just, I, I have all these this weaknesses and these brokennesses in my life and, and my feet are, 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 are crippled and lame or my legs are or what have you, whatever part of your life that you have and I just can't do this and I don't deserve this. I'm here to tell you today, if you accept Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, you are a king's kid and you have the right to sit at the table of Christ. You have to choose to become a part of this though. God's not going to push it on you. God will give you the Holy Spirit to help you overcome these things and He'll feed you every day. Don't accept that you have to stay in Lodabar. Your life will be so much amazingly better at the king's table. So quit selling for less, less joy, less peace, less success, less freedom, less value. You are valuable to God. I don't care what happened to you. I don't care what you've been through. I don't care what you're doing. You are valuable to God. And you see, whenever you go to the king's table, they had all kind of weird things there. They had someone, they had, they had it for the king, they had a, a, a taster, a cupbearer, that he would, he would taste the drink to make sure it was okay. And if he passed out and died, the king wouldn't take any more of it. <laughs> but that's what a cupbearer did. He tasted the drink before he did. So it was some weird things, but they also had these big long coverings and stuff on, the, on, on tables. And the thing is, is even though he, he still had his crippled feet when he was sitting at the table, everybody saw a strong, confident, child of the king they saw a man from his waist up they didn't see the floor all they saw was what that David wanted them to see that that's my son that's my child now he 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 the servants does what he says the good thing about about us in Christ today that that we're sitting at the table and the table of grace is over us the blood of Jesus covers our weaknesses covers our lameness and when God looks at us through the blood, He doesn't see the brokenness. Because grace and, 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 and His blood has covered us symbolically. If you're new to Christianity, well, I'm, I'm not talking about real blood. <laughs> I, it was His real blood that was shed. But when we accept Christ in our life, the, the, the symbolic blood of Christ is applied to our life. And when He looks at that, He looks through the blood and He doesn't see our weaknesses and our shame. Mephibosheth, was shame. Maybe today you're shamed about where you've been at. You're, you're shamed about what you've done. You're shamed about your past. You're shamed about who you, who you used to be, where you lived at. Maybe today you're shamed about where you're at now in life, your job, your family, whatever. But you don't have to be. You don't have to eat crumbs, scraping and scraping anymore. You can go to the king's table and God wants to offer you, He's laid, laid the offer out there for you, for you to accept. Accept love, accept life, accept relationship. Leave Lodabar behind and become a son or a daughter of God.
And you may say, but yeah, Pastor Doug, that's all good. I just don't feel like I've had an, had an invitation to, to sit at the table. I, I just don't know if I can. Well, let me tell you what the Bible says in Luke 22, chapter 22, verses 29 and 30a. And just as my Father has granted me a kingdom, Jesus said this, now I grant you the right to eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. You have now officially been invited to sit at the king's table today despite your brokenness despite your lameness despite your crippledness whether you're crippled in your mind your heart your spirit your soul or your body whatever it is that's holding you back and you feel like you don't deserve that you've settled for and you quit striving for 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 to be a better christian excuse me you quit you quit thriving to be more better and, 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 and get through all the Word of God and, and find more promises that you can hold on to because of the fact that you're broken and you're crippled. You feel like you're damaged goods. Today, I just read to you the invitation to come sit at the Father's table.